You know that Luke alone offers us this part of the resurrection story. The walk on the road to Emmaus. This resurrection appearance follows the one in John and in Luke, where the women disciples go to the tomb first. Now, it's interesting that the women go first, because this is Jewish society. They wouldn't have believed the testimony of the women, which is why Peter went to the tomb himself. So there's some interesting things and cultural nuances that happen within these texts. The women go to the tomb that morning. In some ways, in the second appearance of Jesus in Luke, on the road to Emmaus, takes a little different twist. In some ways, I think we can relate to this second appearance more than the first. Let's dig into it a little bit. Immediately what came to my mind, when, or what comes to my mind, and particularly in, in looking at this text, in 1970, George Harrison wrote a hit song on his album, All Things Must Pass. The song was, My Sweet Lord. My sweet Lord. If, if you remember the lyrics, the, the, the words repeat over and over the phrase, I really want to know you. I really want to be with you. I really want to show you, Lord. But it takes so long, my Lord. It expresses a longing, a desire to know his Lord. Someone elusive, perhaps out of touch, out of reach. Someone unknown, unseen not experienced or recognized, because, of course, George Harrison was a Hindu. It hopes for a reality that is non-existent, a peace and a communion that's somewhat elusive. I think at times this is our reaction when we think about Jesus and our relationship with him, and perhaps particularly about the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, you know, I believe the teachings, the miracles, the reports of the women to whom Jesus first came at the tomb, but I really want to know him. I really would like to see him. I would really want to show him that I believe. I mean, Peter did somewhat the same thing. He ran to the tomb to confirm, to see if it was true what the women had reported. And bewildered, he found the tomb empty. He didn't doubt, as the text says, but he really wanted to know. He wanted to really be sure, to see, to understand. Sometimes I find myself saying, if I had only been there myself, if I had only been there myself, would it really have been easier? Would I have known him any more or better or understand him any more than what I do now. Perhaps I would want to be there to see if it's true. You know, scientific evidence. Maybe that's why it's behind my question. I really want to know you. But we're relying on my sight to see, or my ears to hear, or my hands to touch, as St. John says, replace my faith with that I no longer have to have faith because I see him. Would my seeing and touching and hearing override my faith, make them unnecessary? I don't think so, but I don't know. Look at the disciples. 
Peter couldn't believe. He was puzzled. And then what happened on the road to Emmaus is even more so puzzling. This involves disciples who knew Jesus, who saw Jesus, who heard Jesus, but they were at the tomb but didn't know what to make of the empty tomb. And on the road to Emmaus, Luke says, they were kept from recognizing him. Now you would assume that if they were with him all that time, they would recognize him. They would know what his face looked like. What kept them from recognizing him? Why would God keep them? Was it God who kept? The text doesn't say. It says they were kept from recognizing him. It doesn't say God kept them from recognizing him. It doesn't really say what kept them from recognizing him. Would their doubts have kept them from recognizing him, perhaps? Like when you don't recognize someone. You know, I have that, that tendency. That I recognize everybody here, but if it's out on the street in a, different, in a different place where I'm not used to or expecting to see someone, I might not recognize them right away. I also have the problem, if anybody is wearing sunglasses, I immediately don't know you. Because I recognize people by their eyes. And so I might know that. But if they have sunglasses on, it's a completely different person. And in the text, they're talking with Jesus and they're walking along. And they're talking about Jesus as being a prophet. About being a man. They never talk him about of Jesus as being the son of God. They never talk of him as being son of man. He was a man and he was a prophet. So all the followers of Jesus carried an image or anticipation or an expectation of him that they thought would be fulfilled. This is what they wanted to see. That's why they perhaps couldn't recognize him. Jesus should be like this or Jesus should be like that. He should do this or he should do that. The questions that people asked and how they say and see him doing miracles and teaching among them. They were were trying to fit him in with what they knew about the Old Testament. The whole time the disciples were with him. They wanted to fit Jesus into their reality, the Pharisees. Think of how many times the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the Roman government and Herod, particularly when they asked this, his kingdom of this world. There was no other way that they really could look at Jesus. They had to fit him in somewhere in their reality, somewhere in their life, somewhere in what they knew to be true. But no category can contain him. No category can define him. So in his resurrection, what did they expect to see? Nobody's ever risen from the dead. Did my mic go out? I thought maybe my message wasn't getting across. Everybody's going, no? All right, let's put new batteries in this game. All right, I guess I have to start all over again, huh? <laughs> Thanks, Jim. There we go. Jim's got the gift of encouragement. Okay, <laughs> Okay. so what did they actually expect to see? They had to fit him in somewhere. Now Jesus has died. 
So the two walking along the road in the morning were kept from recognizing Jesus. Why? They didn't expect to see him. Why are we going to look for someone who has died? Yeah, he talked about raising from the dead. He talked about the temple, destroying the temple in three days, rising it up. But he's dead. And they emphasize that point by saying, he, it has been three days since all of this happened. And according to the Jewish culture and science at that time, a person was not declared dead unless they had been dead three days. Then they were dead. Same way with the story of Lazarus. He has been dead three days, meaning no ifs, ands, and buts about it. He's dead. So that is what this road to Emmaus is. They're walking along. And they say, don't you know this person who's walking with us? Jesus has been dead three days. He's no longer with us. So they were walking along the road. They did not know what he looked like, or they did not know what to expect to look like. They did know what he looked like, though. But they weren't expecting to find him walking, particularly among them. He didn't fit into any categories that they had in the world. The only way that they knew how to make sense of what Jesus was talking about them was the way the world made sense around them. There was no way they would have fit him into a picture of resurrected, dead men. And that's what sin is. That's what blinded them. Doubt and sin. It's not merely an action against something that God wants. It's not merely against the Ten Commandments or how he desires us to live. It's not merely not loving our neighbor. We are born into sin, just the same way the disciples were, the same way that the two were walking on the road to Emmaus. And this means our whole way of looking at the world around us is according to our flesh. It's according to what we live and what we experience with flesh, bones, and muscle. So to be raised from the dead is unnatural. It's unheard of. Heal a demon-possessed man? Really? I highly doubt it. Unnatural. Unheard of. Our total system of belief and unbelief is based on what we believe naturally can happen in the world today. This is a sinful world, and that's how it operates. In some ways, we're short-sighted. We don't even recognize the power of God in creation in the world around us. That's what kept them from seeing, kept them from recognizing Jesus. Their sinful nature, their sinful being. Not what they did or didn't do, they simply didn't expect it. It was impossible. So walking on the road, they were done. They were heading back. Everything's over. It was a nice while it lasted. It was a nice dream. But they didn't understand. So nice try, almost over through Rome. You know, not quite. So they were done. They were walking back. They didn't understand what could possibly happen next. So they were going home. You know, they were going home. And like I said, since they weren't expecting to see them, I can understand just from not recognizing people out on the street that they didn't expect to see Jesus on the road because they knew him to be dead. So would it be easier to believe or have your faith strengthened if you were there? Would we be able to recognize him? We don't know what he looks like. The disciples did. We don't know what he looks like. 
So would we recognize him by what he does? We're walking on the road. We really don't know. We have an image of him, and everyone here today has an image of what Jesus is. We can see him with a beard, or we can describe him as being all-loving, all-caring, all-accepting, zealous. What qualities might give you the image of Jesus that you have? Qualities that you would imagine he would have or could have or should have. I mean, we do imagine Jesus, and we do picture him as loving and accepting and forgiving, but like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, are we kept from seeing who he really is because of the things that we think he should be, how we conceive him to be, and perhaps how we think he might act in our midst. For instance, would we expect him to be on the street telling the homeless to go find a job? because we believe they should? Would he be on the street telling the drug users to just come clean? Or telling young women who have decided to abort because they are in a moment of desperation that they are going to hell, and that's not a joke, because on a college campus where I was, Christian groups came on campus and told that as an evangelistic strategy to share God, that all the women were going to hell. Is that their picture of Jesus? Is it limited by what we imagine him to say or to be? Do we imagine him to agree only with one denomination and fashion his likeness to be German in appearance, in a culture or an attitude? Or is he and his resurrection beyond our sinful and blind imagination of who he is? Is it beyond his resurrection, beyond our limited human nature or comprehension so that we can't even grasp what the impact of his resurrection is except by faith. Because there's no other equivalent on earth. No one has ever done this before. No human existence that can define that power or that authority over death and life. No one else has the right to forgive sins or to show love to everyone, accepting and caring. As the two men are walking with the resurrected Lord and re reviewing the experiences that they had and telling him, all of a sudden they see Jesus for who he is. And where do they see him? Not in their imagination, not in who they expect him to be, but they see him in his teaching. As Jesus opens up the fulfillment of Scripture, their eyes are opened. Jesus is pointing to the scripture. That's where you find me. That's where you come to me. That's where I am for you. And he even goes on past this when he begins to break bread with them. Then he vanishes. What's that all about? He disappears. If you're looking for me, this is where I am for you now. Not pretending when I said, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. I am there for you. You don't have to look in an empty tomb. You don't have to want to see Jesus because I'm here for you. I'm on the road with you every single day. 
We are now in the empty tomb. We rejoice and worship at the mouth of the empty tomb where he invites us to take his body and his blood because he is there for us. We're not imagining it. It's what he told the two on the road to Emmaus. It's what he's telling us on the road of our own lives. Daily we walk with him in his word. Daily we receive nourishment from him in his holy supper. For all those wishing to see Jesus, desiring to know him, searching high and low for him, look no further. Salvation, freedom, love, and truth is only to be found in the resurrection of Christ and where he has promised to be in his word and in his sacrament. So we can joyfully say, this is the place where Jesus reveals himself. My sweet Lord, here we really see you. Here we really know you. Here we really show you. He is where he promises to be for us and he will always be found. For that's his sure promise. Here we see, eat, drink, feel, touch, taste. We receive love. We share forgiveness. We enjoy acceptance and everlasting life. Here he strengthens you for your daily walk with him on the road to his kingdom. Amen. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ, or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org. You can email us at gracealoneonline at gmail.com.